This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. to be divorced. Uh, that is something that I hope the marriage that I'm in currently is the only marriage that I ever have, and I hope to be married until I am dead, or at least until I'm cryogenically frozen. If I'm cryogenically frozen and then brought back centuries from now and my wife makes a different decision, then we'll have to have a discussion about what that does to our marital vows. We haven't we haven't necessarily gotten into that yet. By the way, uh, as I'm re-watching the the uh, original run of Star Trek The Next Generation, they just had an episode of from the, the first season, which is probably the weakest season of that show. It's still good. I mean, the worst season of Star Trek The Next Generation is still better than the best season of most other television programs. But they just had an episode where they brought back people that were cryonically frozen in the 21st century and they brought them back 300 and something years later. It was kind of interesting. All right. That being said, there is one trend when it comes to divorce that I want to mention to you. Now, I mentioned that I've never been divorced, but I have you know, a lot of experience with divorce. A lot of, I have a lot of friends that have been divorced, a lot of friends that uh, are going through a divorce. My parents are divorced, and both of them, before they were married to one another, they were both married and divorced from other people. So I have a very thorough as thorough an understanding of the divorce process as you can have without ever having to go through it. And I hope never to go through it. And it's my, you know, uh, this is as close to the explosion as I care to be. But I feel like I'm close enough to have made quite a few observations. There's one trend on the divorce front which is now generating a lot of headlines. And then there was one suggestion in the uh, New York Times that I'd read, read read about over the weekend, which I thought was fascinating. Let me get to the trend first. The gray divorce, um, that is an American over 55 or a couple over 65, gray divorce rates have tripled. The divorce rate has doubled since 1990 for Americans over the age of 55. Doubled over the age of 55 over the last 34 years. For couples over 65, the rate has tripled. 
triple. I have to tell you, when I read that, I was not quite floored, but I was a little surprised. And here's why. I always figure divorce, not in every case, but most cases, I think of divorce as something that younger couples go through. And maybe that's an unfair stereotype in my view. But my thinking is you get married when you're young, 25, 26, 30 years old, and you don't even necessarily know who you are yet, let alone who your partner is. And you grow in different directions. You grow apart. You get hit with that so-called seven-year itch. You get a little bored after seven years. And then infidelity rears its ugly head. One partner either confesses to it or the other partner finds out about it. And bada-bing! Divorce happens. Or, unfortunately, um, there's other issues of dishonesty, which you learned about. could be related to money or any number of other things early on in a marriage that leads to a divorce or you have children and you have serious differences about how to raise these children that leads to a divorce potentially or maybe a couple unfortunately is not able to have children and one of the people in that couple still wants to try to have children these are all things that could lead to tensions resentments all sorts of other things I always picture couples that have been married for a while, 20, 25 years, 30 years. Okay, they're staying married. They've survived all of the valleys. They've survived all of the um, difficulties. They've survived all the trials and tribulations that come with a marriage in the early days. And once you get over a certain hump, my assumption was, yeah, all right, you're staying married. Well... That is not the case because older people getting divorced is skyrocketing, absolutely skyrocketing in recent decades. That's according to federal data. And what's amazing about this, it's not as if divorce is going up for everybody. The divorce rate for younger people, the very people that I'm describing as the kind of folks that I view as most likely to get divorced, has dropped So the divorce rate among younger people has gone down. The divorce rate among older people has not only gone up, it's tripled. Tripled. At this point, one in 10 people getting divorced today is 65 or older. According to Susan Brown, as spoken to USA Today, she's a distinguished professor of sociology at Bowling Green State University. In Ohio, she said one in 10 people getting divorced today, 65. That is remarkable. And what that leads to is, unfortunately, a growing share of aging adults aging alone, which, honestly, I find kind of sad. And they say that this is due to several demographic factors shaping this. Researchers say the American population is aging, so it makes sense that as the country itself is getting older, that there are going to be more older people getting divorced. They say that people are staying healthy longer, and they say that couples are marrying later. So if you don't get married until you're 45, maybe you maybe it's not such a crazy thing to think that you're getting divorced at 65. But in dollar terms, 
a divorce is costly to anyone. But for older Americans, the costs are much steeper. A man can expect his standard of living to decline by 21% after a gray divorce. That's according to research by uh, that professor that I just cited and her colleagues. A woman's standard of living will plunge by 45%. Both partners see their wealth decline by half. And you ask yourself the question, well, if the standard of living for both men and women, but especially women, is going down by that much, and if the the wealth of these people is declining by that much, why would you do it? Women apparently seem more likely to initiate a gray divorce. Women tend to fare worse after the pairing, or as, excuse me, after the parting, even though, in, in financial terms, they're the ones that are pushing for it. Women are more likely to take custody of the children when that's at play, along with the cost. Women who divorce after 50 tend to have less work experience than their partners, which means less potential for future earnings. So I'm curious what you think about this and why you think, if it's anything other than what I just mentioned, why you think we're seeing a surge in gray divorce. Couples over the age of 65 getting divorced at such an alarming rate. 800-848-9222. That's on the one hand, and this is on the more practical level. This was uh, an article that I had read in the New York Times over the weekend by Leslie Jameson, who is an author, uh, most recently of Splinters, Another Kind of Love Story. And this is the headline. I didn't want wedding presents, but gifts helped me survive my divorce. And in this article, I'm going to link to it on my Facebook page if you want to read it, uh, facebook.com uh, slash Fan. You can check it out, facebook.com slash Fan. In this article, Ms. Jameson makes the case for a new ritual that acknowledges this strange, tender moment of rupture, meaning a divorce. And what she does is she makes the case for a divorce registry because, you know, a lot of times the difficulty when you're getting married or when you're moving in with one another is we have two of everything. We have two dining tables. We have two beds. We have two this. We have two blenders. We have two that. Unfortunately, when you're getting divorced, the problem is this couple, you as a couple, only has one of everything. So how often and you know this probably if you've been divorced, how often do you have a situation where ever someone calls you and says, hey, do you need anything? Do you want to talk? Is there anything I can do? Do you need help moving? And sometimes the answer to those questions is yes, but it might be a little embarrassing for someone to say, honestly, the thing that I really need is a coffee table. You know, Bill got the coffee table in the divorce. What I really need is a new blender or a toaster oven, or an air fryer. And what I found this very persuasive. Basically, if you have a divorce registry when you're getting divorced, you can kind of just, just like you would with a wedding registry or any other type of registry, tick off all the items that you need. And rather than someone reaching out to you when they're trying to be nice and saying, do you need anything? You could basically refer to everybody that ask you that question, to the divorce registry. 
You could even send an email. I don't even know how people make the uh, make the announcement that they've been divorced. I guess but nowadays a lot of it's done on social media, but you can make the announcement. Bill and I have decided to separate, and uh, we're going our separate ways, yada, yada, yada. A lot of you have asked if there's anything that you can do to help. Honestly, there is. Um, for anybody that wants to help us get through this difficult time, both Bill and I have set up divorce registries. Here's a look at where we're registered and what items we're looking for. I think this is actually a pretty clever idea. Give me your thoughts. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Two open lines. Curious what you think about this trend of the gray divorce. Couples 65 or older divorcing while at the same time younger married couples are staying together and divorcing at a much less rate or much lower, you know, much lower rate. And two, this idea brought up by Leslie Jameson of a divorce registry. I actually think that it's not a bad idea. Give me your thoughts. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. You can also email me as well at uh, frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. That's frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. A little bit later, we will award our listener of the week. And as is always the case, some very stiff competition this week, but I think we came up with uh, a worthy recipient. All right, let me say hello to Rocco in Saratoga. What's on your mind, Rocco? Good evening, Frank. Uh, shout out to Tony. Thanks for the Bob Skaggs. Tony's great at the uh, on weight music, and uh, Elias, too. He's a great screener. Matt, on a special assignment? I don't know. Hello. Okay, Frank, uh, it's ironic you brought up the subject of divorce, because after 47 years of marriage, I am separated from my wife. And Oh, uh, I'm sorry. The, yeah, yeah. Well, 47 years, Frank, you know, uh, I don't know. You know, what can I say? What can I say? You know, uh, I, I guess we got on each other's nerves uh, once too often. I don't know. But whatever. I can't imagine you whatever. getting on anyone's nerves, Rocco. No. No, no, not me, Frank. I said her. Ah, I see. Okay. okay. <laughs> her. I must have gotten on her nerve. Yeah, I don't know. Can't I imagine know. that. You have to ask her, all right? It's her choice. Her Believe decision. me, I'd so, like to. I don't know. But anyway, it's okay. It's all good. I've got a girlfriend that's a beautiful, green-eyed Irish lady that's gorgeous and thinks I'm, I'm all that in a bag of bones. So I, I can't complain. You know, she saw a picture of me and she said, you're the damn handsomest man I've ever seen. So I can't complain. I can't complain, Frank. All right. So anyway, yes, uh, 47 years. I don't know. I mean, we're still friends. I mean, we still go out to dinner uh, because we have grandkids. Right. So we try to keep it civil uh, at times, at times, at other times, not so civil, but try my best you know, to bring her out to dinner every once in a while. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Gave her enough money to live on, you know, the rest of her life. So, Rocco, what, what do you think of this idea yeah. of a divorce registry? No, nah, no, nah, Frank. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't think of asking people for anything. 
That's ridiculous. No. All right. Well, yeah, I get it. I mean, uh, look, 27 years. We've accumulated enough stuff. No, but but understand. But but most Rocco in in, in our case, you know, if my wife and I were to get divorced, we have one bed. So that bed is going to one of us. So one of us would need to go out and get a bed. Right. So, yeah, I mean, so I understand. I, yeah, I, I get it. Wait, wait, Rocco hung up there. I didn't hang up on it. But um, but I get it. But what Leslie Jameson writes, I think, rings true for me. Now, you know, I, I mean, meaning I see it logically. She writes, when I married, we didn't have a registry. We'd already combined two households. We had plenty of things. Downsizing felt more important than acquiring. But we ended up getting gifts anyway. And I treasured many of them. A ceramic plate painted with the mountains my friend loved so dearly. A tear-shaped nautical storm glass meant to divine the weather. These objects, incongruous and surprising, nothing we had chosen for ourselves, felt like ways our friends were co-signing on our new life together and stitching themselves into its daily weave. When we divorced five years later in 2019, it felt, among other things, like a betrayal of those early vouchers of faith. Standing in an empty kitchen in a bare apartment Tasked with building a new household from scratch, I started thinking I wouldn't mind a registry now. I totally get what she means. She said, in many ways, I couldn't help thinking a divorce registry would be more useful than its commonplace counterpart, meaning a wedding registry. She says it's, you know, partly a question of math. When you're joining two households, you have duplicate versions of many things you only need one of. But when you're splitting households, you once more need two. And she says, and I hadn't thought of this, it could also offer another kind of support. In the midst of my separation, I found myself craving more rituals that might acknowledge this strange, tender threshold of rupture and remaking. You know, there's all sorts of things when you're having a baby. There's a baby shower. There's a, I hate it, but there's a gender reveal for some people. Um, There's... When you get married, same thing. There's an engagement party. There's a, a bridal shower. There's a bachelorette party, a bachelor party. There's the wedding. Uh, there's the, this, there's the that. But for a divorce, when people are most in need of, I don't know, some bucking up, there's not that much for you, for people around you to demonstrate this support. And Leslie Jameson says this would be a good way to do it. I agree with her. I, I would love to, I, you know, look, obviously people should do whatever they want to do. But I think this is a great way for people to help people out that are going through a tough time. And I'd love to see this take shape. 800-848-9222. Tom, listening on WCBM in Baltimore. What's on your mind, Tom? Yeah, this uh, this business of older women uh, wanting to get divorced seems very counterintuitive exactly. to me. This is like... Mrs. Lou Grant syndrome on the Mary Tyler Moore show, Lou Grant, played by Ed Asner. He's a 60-year-old senior editor of a newspaper, typical man of that generation, totally dependent on his wife to manage his personal life. On the other hand, his wife was an, uh, you know, she was an early wife and mother, never had a career. And at 60, suddenly she wants to find herself and paint and do all this stuff. Okay, of that generation, that makes sense. Nowadays, you would have thought women have had plenty of time to have careers, find themselves, do everything they want. And it seems odd 
that they would be the ones that would want to get divorced, particularly if it means financial uh, ruin. You know, that's interesting, Tom. So what do you think this is all about? Uh, Because I agree with you. I think it is counterintuitive. Do you think there's something driving this beyond the factors that I just mentioned? Well, there's a general tendency these days for women of all ages to kind of walk off a cliff. You know, it's you know, it's like the old saying: they've been invited to look up at the moon, and they're just walking off a cliff. They're kind of just, you know, acting against their own self-interest. Maybe well, well, well tell me that. what you mean by that, uh, Tom, because that's not something that I've noticed. I, I've noticed women doing pretty well in life. What, what do you mean by that? Well, walking yeah, off a cliff? I mean they do well, maybe financially, but you know, not wanting to have children, wanting to abort a baby at the drop, doing everything that. Women traditionally, against what women traditionally valued, sort of turning on themselves. All right. Well, thank you, Tom. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I wouldn't concur on the um, on the walk across, women are walking across a cliff uh, situation. But uh, I do agree that it is a little counterintuitive, which is one of the reasons that I uh, wanted to mention it. 800-848-9222. If you want to comment on this or anything else we're talking about, this is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. You know, every now and then I think you might like to hear something from us. Nice and easy. But there's just one thing, you see, we never ever do nothing nice and easy. We always do it nice and rough. We're going to take the beginning of this song and do it easy. But then we're going to do the finish. Rough. The way we do Proud Mary. Listen to the story now. Left a good job in the city. Working for the man every night and day. And I never lost one minute of sleep And I was worrying about the way the things might have been Proud Mary Keep on turning uh, The great, great Tina Turner 
Uh, this is a birthday bumper music selection for one of my favorite guests and one of my favorite people, uh, Dr. Judy Kuriansky, who is uh, not only a gifted radio commentator, but a wonderful person and uh, somebody that I'm uh, proud to call a friend. And she's very into women empowerment and things of that nature. And it's one of the reasons she likes this song. She said she also invested in uh, this show, Proud Mary, on Broadway. And now, evidently, it's on tour. I never saw it. I haven't been to a... Um, Broadway show in a while. I got to make plans to get there. I uh, there's a lot of good stuff playing now. I really want to see this Back to the Future musical, but I'm going to make some plans to try and check th- some things out. Hey, here is some bad news. Not that the gray divorce was such great news, but you know what is going crazy in this country? I'm not joking here. Uh, syphilis, syphilis is soaring in the United States. Cases have risen by 80% since 2018. That's the word from the CDC. Syphilis, which was once nearly eliminated in this country, is continuing to resurge. We have now seen the highest rate of new infections recorded since 1950. That's what the CDC said yesterday. More than 207,000 new cases were diagnosed last year, and that represents an 80% increase since 2018 and 17% over the previous year's tally. I don't know why. Uh, Experts say that uh, there's a variety of reasons, and there's always a variety of reasons. But they say part of it is substance abuse, which is tied to risky sexual behavior, and that's risen. They say that uh, with better prevention and treatment for HIV, ironically enough, condom use has fallen out of vogue. It's gone down by about 8%. See, when everybody was terrified of getting HIV and AIDS, everyone was having sex using a condom. Now that, you know, AIDS can be managed and HIV can be managed... People think, oh, I don't have to use a condom anymore. What's the worst thing that can happen? I get HIV, I get AIDS, I have to take drugs for the rest of my life. So they're not using a condom. So uh, that's condom use is down 8% in the last 10 years among high school students, for example. And they say that part of the reason is because there are far fewer sexual health clinics I don't know. I don't know what the story is, but be careful. If you're out there, if you're sexually active, be careful. You do not want to get syphilis. That is, I believe, how uh, Al Capone died. All right, 800-848-9222. That is 800-848-9222. Sandra is in New Jersey. Hi, Sandra. Oh, hi, Frank. Usually I'm sleeping at this time, but I have a bad headache, and I cannot. Well, I, I feel terrible for your bad headache, but I'm thrilled that you're awake <laughs> listening to us, Sandra. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. So here I am lying here listening to Rocco. And I have to say, boy, did he put a little smile on my face. He is such a kind man. He's so, um, um, I just have to say, so the way he was describing his relationship with his wife, you know, sometimes people do get on each other's nerves after a certain point, and that's, that's basically it. So I think, Rocco, 
The more I get to listen to him, the more I like him. And I just wanted to say that. That's all. Well, that's like, hey, he's single now. Do you want me to hook the two of you guys no, up? No, no, no. No, I'm happily married. All right, all right, all right. Well, you know, we, we can test him for, for syphilis if that's the issue, Sandra. I, I, I'm sorry you have a headache, but thanks for listening. Okay. Appreciate it. 800-848-9222. Hey, you know, there's one other health issue, and I have a feel, I I know you think I talk a lot about this, but this is something in the next six months, the next year, the next two years, the next three years, everybody is going to be talking about every day. And that is the surge in obesity drugs. These obesity drugs like uh, Wegovi and Ozempic and Munjaro, They could potentially be the greatest drugs ever created. And they could be, in fact, these drug companies that are manufacturing them are counting on them to be the most profitable drugs ever manufactured. I mean, we're talking trillions of dollars worth of profit for the drug companies. And I do wonder, because it's relatively new that people are using these, I wonder about the longitudinal effects of these. If people are taking Ozempic or Munjaro for 10, 15, 20 years, maybe it helps them remain svelte, but does it cause some other complications? I don't know the answer to that. I don't think anybody does, really, in spite of the fact that a lot of the people that are pushing these drugs say that there's nothing to worry about with them. If you're not up on these, these drugs are, they say the most revolutionary thing to happen to weight loss and overall health, maybe ever, maybe since the advent of penicillin or the polio vaccine. Because what we're seeing, not just in this country, but around the world, in terms of obesity, is leading to a global public health crisis that has effects on the economy, the culture, everything else. Well, in... Something very interesting is happening in North Carolina, where we have a lot of listeners, by the way. In June of 2021, the insurance plan for North Carolina state employees was paying for 2,800 people to take weight loss drugs. Weight loss drugs like the kind that I'm describing. Last year, it paid for nearly 25 thousand weight loss drugs medications like Wegovi cost the North Carolina State Health Plan 100 million dollars last year rising seemingly out of nowhere to represent 10% of its spending on prescription drugs 10% of everything that the North Carolina State Health Care Plan is paying for for its and state employees is on these Weight loss drugs. Dale Folwell, the state treasurer whose office runs the health plan, said this is something we never anticipated. They're saying this came out of nowhere. So they've been alarmed by the ballooning costs because what's happening? More and more people are taking these drugs. And these, as I understand it, I've not taken these drugs, but I have friends and family members that do. And from what I understand, these are not drugs that you take and you stop. They're drugs that you stay on. For the most part, otherwise you might gain the weight back. So alarmed by the ballooning costs, the health plan's governing board has now voted 
to end all coverage of medications for weight loss, including Wegovy, which accounts for the vast majority of its spending on obesity drugs. The plan will continue covering versions of the drug for people with diabetes. Well, and you know what that's going to be, right? I mean, you know what's going to happen there in North Carolina. If you're overweight and you want this drug for weight management, you're going to get your doctor to prescribe it to you for diabetes. You're going to get him to diagnose you as pre-diabetic so that you can get it covered by your insurance. That's what's going to happen. It's the oldest game in, in, in medicine. So in the past few years, these appetite-suppressing drugs have surged in popularity because they're extraordinarily effective in helping people lose weight. Research suggests that these medications might pay for themselves or even save money in the long run because they're preventing heart attacks. They're preventing strokes that lead to huge hospital bills. But for the employers and the health plans that cover most of these prescription drugs, the bill for these medications is just overwhelming, and it's now coming due. In recent months, the University of Texas system and the hospital chain Ascension have stopped paying for the drugs for their workers. Those that continue to cover the drugs are imposing new restrictions that are meant to cut costs. The Mayo Clinic, for example, will now provide a lifetime benefit of only $20,000 for the drugs for its employees. Now, that's the Mayo Clinic, which I think is pretty important to look at because you would think, I don't know who gets to make the plans, uh, the decisions about the Mayo Clinic's health insurance plan, but you would think it's somebody that's pretty well-versed in health care. Medicare, by comparison, does not cover any of these medications prescribed by for weight loss but it does cover weight loss surgery let me ask you what sense does that make why would medicare cover weight loss surgery like stomach stapling or bariatric surgery but not the weight loss drugs i am of two minds about this i'm curious where you come down on this do you think these state health plans, or if you don't want to make it a state issue, I think state health plans are an interesting way of looking at it because it involves taxpayer expenditures of money. Should these state health plans cover the cost of these weight loss drugs? Yes, no, or, and why? We're not talking about using them for diabetes, where the happy side effect is weight loss. No, we're talking about specifically using them for weight loss. My view is that uh, it could help save a lot of money in the long run. On the other hand, these drug companies are counting on making trillions, trillions, because they want everybody taking these drugs. Everybody. What do you do? If you're the administrator of one of these plans, if you're the state treasurer in a state like North Carolina, what do you do? Do you pay for these drugs? Do you think insurance should pay for these drugs for weight loss? So in North Carolina, the vote on Thursday to end coverage appeared to be the first in the whole country by a state health plan. And this plan uses, as I alluded to, state funds to pay most prescription drug costs for 740,000 public workers, teachers, retirees, and their family members. And the state health plan is in financial distress. Last year, its cash position declined to $250 million. So the trustees who voted to end this coverage said they had a duty to do the most good for the most people. And they said they just can't keep covering this. 
I'm sympathetic to what they're saying, but if it keeps everybody from experiencing, you know, obesity-related health care costs, maybe it's worth it in the long run. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Here is a doctor in North Carolina by the name of Wickham Simons. And Dr. Simons says uh, this is going to be a big disappointment for her patients, uh, for, uh, for this particular doctor's patients. My patients are going to be really upset about it because uh, um, a lot of them have been very successful with it. And so they're going to have to make that choice. And a lot of them don't have the financial means to, to do it. And I feel bad for these folks. I really do. It doesn't seem right that only rich people should afford the drugs that are going to make them thin. But if you're a state worker, a teacher, a sanitation worker, a firefighter, a cop, that your insurance plan shouldn't cover it. But if I'm a millionaire, I can get the drugs that'll make me thin. Uh, the New York Times chronicles the story of Jessica Urich Riger a state employee, 44 years old, who started taking Wegovy in October of 2022. And, you know, they have her picture in the paper. She looks, you know, very fit, very svelte. She has since lost, since she started taking these drugs in October of 2022, she has since lost 103 pounds and no longer has prediabetes. But she'll no longer be able to afford the sticker price that Wegovy is charging of $1,300 a month, $1,349 per month. She said, that's more than my mortgage. So I, I feel for people like this. But this is a dilemma that is not only facing health plans in North Carolina, this is going to be something that every health plan in the country needs to decide. And I don't know what the right decision is. I see both sides of it. 800-848-9222. See, some in North Carolina are seeing a very bitter irony that Novo Nordisk manufactures and packages Wegovy in North Carolina, in Clayton, North Carolina, to be specific, just a short drive from the government offices where state health plan officials are trying to figure out how to pay for this drug. And the critics of the company have called attention to the tens of millions of dollars in incentives that Novo Nordisk has received from the state as well as from the county where its plants sit. It's interesting. So Artis Watkins, who's executive director of the State Employees Association of North Carolina, says it certainly adds insult to injury. Our economic climate that has been made so attractive to businesses to locate here is being used to manufacture a drug that's wildly marked up. So is there some element of price gouging going on here? What do you think? 800-848-9222. David is in the Bronx. Now, David, you have talked before about how you have diabetes and you've been prescribed uh, some of these drugs from time to time, right? And you said you you said you found them helpful, but you don't take them anymore. Am I remembering correctly? No, 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 no. I'm still on those. Oh, you are? Okay. Um, And I did lose... 15 pounds, but that's not why I took it. Right. That's what I mentioned. That's one of those happy side effects of people that take it for what it was prescribed for initially, which is diabetes. Right. But my issue, and I think this is why um, governments and and insurance companies should be paying for this, is it does have health benefits. I mean, we're talking about reducing, and you mentioned most of these, reducing heart attacks and strokes, and not just that, diabetes, because a lot of people that are overweight will eventually become diabetic. 
And from what we know so far, if they lose a substantial amount of weight, they won't become diabetic. And that will save people from losing toes and, and things like I have already and vision and heart attacks and strokes. So I think it's a, plus, it's a definite plus. But we need to be responsible at the same time. If people are going to take these drugs for weight loss, because we know once you stop taking them, the weight comes back. People need to also be assigned a dietitian if they're going to be taking these drugs. They need to learn how to um, eat properly so that once these drugs are, they can get weaned off of these drugs, they won't gain the weight back. Because what's the point of spending $1,200, $1,800 a month on a drug, and then once you stop, for whatever reason, the weight comes back, and then the health problems come back? So That is not cost-effective. So your view is, well, you know, state health insurance plans – and other similar entities, they should cover this, but uh, there should be some requirements that the people that are prescribed the drugs for weight loss, hand-in-hand hand with that prescription, they also get some sort of mandated training, uh, maybe a, a right, new counseling. Tr- counseling. Uh, I, I think that's a very fair fair uh, situation. David, do you one think... Thing. Go ahead. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. no, no, go ahead. I have a question. No, one ahead. last thing, uh, because the food industry is driving this, the fast food industry, the highly processed food industry. And as far as paying for it, I think we should be looking at maybe some additional taxation on these food companies because they're responsible for a lot of this, and they're washing their hands of it. They pretend that they're not responsible. There's a reason that there's so many obese people in this country and around the world, and a lot of it has to do with the food industry, which has lied to us for decades about the effects of their products. Well, it's interesting interesting that you mentioned that, David, because – the big food companies are terrified now that people are going to be able to control their cravings. They're terrified at what that might mean to, towards their bottom line. So far, they say it hasn't had an effect on their bottom line, but whether it's snack foods or other highly processed foods, companies make billions, or in some cases hundreds of millions, um, peddling this stuff to people, and they're afraid with the whole country on Ozempic or similar drugs that uh, they're going to really see a decline in those sales for the first time in a while. But my question was going to be, um, for all the reasons that you stated, should Medicare cover these drugs when they're used for weight loss and not just diabetes? Well, I'll tell you, yes, and I'll tell you, I'll give you my reason. Medicare is already paying for drugs for Alzheimer's and dementia that we know have very little actual effect. Mm. And these drugs are super expensive compared to these weight loss drugs, you know, The weight loss drugs companies, and this is the one issue I will say, in China, they're paying one-tenth the price for these drugs because they negotiate with the drug companies for for the prices. If we're going to pay for these drugs, the federal government should negotiate with the drug companies and reduce the price for everybody. Well, I've been saying that for years for every variety of drug. Medicare should have negotiating power. But I do wonder, you know, if the point David raises – is there an element of price gouging here with the drug companies? 800-848-9222. Uh, Pamela is in New Jersey. Hi, Pamela. Hi. Um, I just need a little clarification. Do these drugs kill your appetite or allow you to eat wh- whatever you please to some extent without gaining weight? So, again, I haven't, and I would tell you if I had, but I, I've not taken uh, these drugs, so I can't speak with, with certitude. My understanding is that they dramatically suppress your appetite, and if you, um, if you eat even beyond what you're hungry for, 
you almost get a feeling of getting nauseous and you get you get kind of sick if you conti- if you overeat but you don't have the desire to overeat initially and uh, i think that a lot of other compulsions like uh, drug addiction alcoholism gambling even are also reduced by taking these drugs oh interesting uh well i think in people who can be psychologically and medically, physically, organically diagnosed as at the point of really needing this to reduce weight. And if it's working, uh, yeah, but I think people are taking it now. It's like, uh, you know, it's like candy now. Everybody's taking it. Right. Oh, no question. It's very trendy. Yeah, exactly. It, it's turned into a trend, which I'm then, no, you draw the line there. No, that's so, ridiculous. So it, Will, willpower, so willpower. You know? it, it sounds like you think the insurance companies should not cover this. Uh, only for those cases where people have tried a long time to lose weight, because there are some people who have issues, you know, physically, organically, you know, for some reason, maybe their, their thyroids or, or, or their glands aren't working correctly. And that's different. That's a medical condition. But I find it's like yoga now, like it's trendy, like uh, you hear everybody taking it. Oh, no question. And poor diabetics can't get their medicine. Yeah. Well, that is going to be a short-term thing because these drug companies that are counting on making trillions from this, they have so increased their manufacturing capacity that they're going to be making – oceans of this stuff there is going to be enough of these drugs so that they can make not just trillions but tens of trillions of dollars there's going to be enough for every overweight person in the country and every diabetic person they are so ramping up the capacity uh, and their production capabilities here they're investing in this big time so if there are shortages and there have been for people that take it for diabetes, those are going to be short-term. That's a guarantee. We'll continue with your calls in a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight, 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. Trucking, got my chips cashed in. Keep trucking, like the do dog man together. The Grateful Dead uh, trucking, truck in, excuse me, six minutes until the top of the hour. Uh, This is a um, birthday bumper music dedication to Dr. Judy Kariansky, one of the great therapists and people of all time. It's her birthday today. If you run into Dr. Judy today or if you find her on Facebook, be sure to wish her a happy birthday. Tell you heard about it on this program. She's a great lady and has been a great guest on this program from time to time. If anybody deserves to have their birthday wishes come true, it is her. Really one of the kindest, most uh, generous people that, uh, that I've ever met. Not just in radio, but just in general. A wonderful person and a good friend. And she's a deadhead. You know who else is a deadhead? And you might not think this, Tucker Carlson. 
huge fan of the Grateful Dead. You might be surprised by that. You might not be. All right, going to get back to your calls in a moment, uh, 800-848-9222. You know, it's interesting, in the afternoons, I wake up in the afternoon, um, and then when my son wakes up from his nap, he's basically my responsibility to entertain and to watch him until my wife is done with work, around, you know, 5, 5.30-ish. So yesterday, my son was crying, and, you know, he, a lot of times he wakes up, he's very much experiencing the terrible twos. And he, he wakes up in the afternoon very t- uh, very often cranky. And he just wants my wife. And it's kind of insulting. You know, I'll go and get him from his nap, and he'll be whimpering. And he'll say, Mommy, hold you. Mommy, hold you. That's what he says when he wants someone to hold him. He doesn't say, hold me. He says, hold you. So he just says, Mommy, hold you. So he's crying and he's crying. And I hear my wife's in her office on a conference call. So I know as soon as I bring him downstairs... He's going to run into her office while she's on what sounded like a very serious conference call for work. So I was not going to do that. So I changed him, get him dressed, and we go downstairs. And sometimes when by the time we get downstairs, his mood improves. Did not. He's still crying and says, Mommy, old you, Mommy, old you. And nothing was improving his mood. I offered him a snack. Didn't want the snack. I offered to let him watch a little uh, television. Didn't want to do that. I said, hey, let's read a book. No, doesn't want to do that. Let's play cars. No, mommy, hold you, mommy, hold you. Let's have a snowball fight. Mommy, hold you, mommy, hold you. I said, that's it, Carmine. We're leaving. We are going to the library. And we drove to the library, about a 15, 16-minute ride to this new library. And he's crying about two-thirds of the way. Whining is better a better word than crying. Saying, Mommy, hold you, Mommy, hold you. We get to the library, and he, we walk in, and he slows down a little bit. He stops crying. But now he's becoming very clingy to me. And we get in there, and he says to me, he's not crying anymore, but he's unhappy. He starts saying, let's go home. Let's go home. I said, Carmine, let's read one book first. Let's read one book, and then if you want, we can go home. He, he did not like that answer at all. Starts throwing things. Asks for his milk. Throws his milk. Goes and picks up his milk. Throws it again. Goes and picks up a book. And now we're in a library. We're supposed to be quiet. I showed him the picture where it's somebody holding a, a finger to their lips saying, shh. And he starts picking up the books, throwing the books. Carmen, this is totally unacceptable. Then, look, they have Legos there. Let's go play Legos. Throws the Legos. Carmine, you better pick those up and put them away, and then we can go home. And he kind of got the message, and he goes and picks them up, but he didn't want to put them away himself. Now, I'm standing right by where you put them away, so he's handing me the Legos and say, Daddy, put it away. Daddy, put it away. So now he's calmed down a little bit. I said, Carmine, let's read one book. So we read one book, and his mood gradually improved. Um, but, uh, I don't know, he's very much experiencing these terrible twos because when he is in a good mood... He's polite, he's friendly, he's got a great sense of humor. But when he gets in these moods that he wants to have a tantrum, he's got he gets these five-star tantrums. So yesterday afternoon was a struggle. Keep asking questions. 800-848-9222. 